and welcome to QuickLink Podcast on Tuesday the 16th of February. Coming up, we've got a fantastic feature-length interview with Steve Lampierre, the manager of British continental side St. Piran. Here's the interview. So I'm joined today by my co-host Harry Dukes, and we're here today with manager and rider for St. Piran, it's Steve Lampier. Hello. Thanks for coming on, Steve. It's nice to have a bit of your time this afternoon. How are you? Yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, I'm good. I'm good. Always busy, but yeah, I'm good. <laughs> the joys of a dual role at a club, huh? Dual role, having uh, a young child, just non-stop, non-stop. <laughs> so... We'll get on to talking about St. Piran a little later, but I'd like what I'd like you to go through is um, your, your journey to this point from that, that first day looking at a bike to to the wins, to the highs, to the lows, to, to, to up until 2021. Flipping it, how long have you got? Um, <laughs> I've been around a long time. Um, yeah, I, so I started competitive cycling in 2000, no, in 1996 my first race basically i started because i used to ride to football practice and i got sin binned and i didn't want to tell my mum that i'd been sin binned what'd you been um, sin binned for doing steve well harry you know me quite well so <laughs> what do you think i was doing from a young 11 12 year old 11 12 it's just shouting my head off in a very <laughs> rude manner <laughs> to people in authority <laughs> you would never do that Need no, 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 no never, no. ever. Nothing's ever changed. Um, yeah. <laughs> so I basically got sinbin, and I didn't want to tell my mum. So I just used that hour or whatever, and just went off bike riding. I was like, actually, I quite enjoy this. And then, yeah, mega, mega hot summer, and I found out there's some mountain bike races, and it just started from there. Did that for how long did I do that for? Three, four years. Got quite good. Um. I won quite a lot of races and then someone said oh you should get a road bike actually it's the 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 guy who owns saint Piran, richard pasco the, the team principal he has a big bike shop in cornwall and we went in to get some a tire or something and he said ah you want to get a road bike get a road bike if you get a road bike and train on that you'll get even faster and fitter and stronger yada 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 that's a great bit of upselling from a tire to a bike well but that, this is the thing so he and I was like, nah, road biking's right. I don't want to do that. Nah, it looks, nah, it looks, it looks shit. Don't want to be doing that. <laughs> you know, I want to be rad and gnarly and riding mountain bikes and stuff. Even though it's cross country racing, which is effectively like riding a road bike anyway at the time. And then um, he actually loaned me a road bike and he said, right, take this bike away. Go do this. Go join this, the local club and then come back when you've, I can't remember what it was. And then basically that started my lifelong friendship with Richard Pascoe and yeah he just put me all you know put me and many Cornish riders on the way to to stardom you know he's yeah, he's done a lot for the, the sport in Cornwall and yeah he got me road racing and through through Ricky I met Tom Southern and you know now DS at um what are they called EF Education Person they're not called yeah, that anymore yeah. are they uh, EF Nippo that's what the, are they called? Yeah, yeah, yeah no, I think, yeah. Yeah, they keep changing their name. They've got cool kit this year, though. Yeah, it's nice, um, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, he um, met Tom, and then he introduced me to his dad. His dad took me to Holland, where I met a Dutch family, 
and I stayed with them for the summer. And then Chris Opie used to come over as well and race over there in the summer. And well, then, this is yeah, around like your, your junior days. But that was under, under 15 days, that was. Oh, okay. When I was a real youngster. Hmm. When I was a real youngster. And then I, um, yeah, just progressed from there. And then I raced. It was weird. Back, 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 in, back in the day, in my day, you could race. <laughs> um, you could get your dispensation as an under-16 to race as a junior as soon as you were 16. So and I'm, I was 16 in March. or My birthday's in March. So I turned 16, got my racing license, junior racing license, and then just did junior races for three years which really helped because my first year as a junior, well, a youth year, you know, I was getting reasonable results, but it meant my first proper junior year, I was really getting good results. And then, yeah, just... That's good. Like, it gives you a a free year, really. Yeah, in effect. And I think it's... I can see why they don't do it now because, you know, the the fields are bigger and it'd be harder to police. But, and and there's lots of really really talented well i look at the look at the crop of juniors over the last six seasons like look at how good they are now as as proper professional riders you know mm. if you was an under 16 racing those guys you know you'd have got your head kicked in whereas we had good talented riders but the progression from junior to under 23 it wasn't as bad or it wasn't not bad it wasn't as progressive or aggressive as it is now if that makes sense you know, what are we some didn't... of the um the biggest names that have come out of like your your crop of juniors that you were racing against uh cavendish bramier matt bramier uh mm-hmm. garrett thomas you know they were yeah we're all like i'm i'm a year older than those but they you know they they were racing you know as under 16s as under 16s mm-hmm for two you know for a year and then a first year junior so effectively i was racing them for two years in the junior category mm-hmm. you know garrett thomas was winning stages in the tour of ireland as june tour of ireland as, a, as an under 16 rider wow. you know so that just shows how talented he was talented he was as a youngster you yeah. know cav was doing the same he was winning stages of the junior tour of blanks i think he was still an under 16 Actually, Cav, I first met Cav when he was under 15 and he, because it's weird, as an under, even as an under 15 or an under 14, you could get dispensation to ride junior crits, so like closed circuit races. And we had a junior national series race at Eastway and he was an under 14 and he, I think he made the final break, which lapped the field, you know, that's that's going some as a as a fourteen year old. We get racing against seventeen, eighteen year olds. You know, yeah. I was a sixteen year old in that race. That's that's pretty impressive. Yeah. But yeah, Eddie Junior days. But I but as a junior, I didn't not miss out on life. And, you know, I still went out drinking, mucking around my mates, going to the beach, parties. You know, I trained hard, but I also partied quite hard as well. And I think that has I'm enabled me, there. yeah it's enabled me to stay in the sport now you know because it's not i've not had to forego on one thing or another and mm. that yeah that's a big thing i think you see a lot of juniors nowadays they don't you know i'm not saying you know going out the piss is a big thing you shouldn't you know you shouldn't be doing it you know you're underage for a start but don't 
you know, not do real life things which your your mates are doing. I'm sure you just miss out and regret it when you're older. I've seen it time and time again. Guys just go out and fully focused and then when they get to 18 19 they're like bang like an explosion and they just you know they're straight in that dodgy nightclub so you know do you think that's also why we see some people burn out at 22 23 just because they 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 don't know anything else other than 100 yeah 100 yeah yeah you see it all the time you guys and they're so talented but there's juniors well, Harry does it as well, and and I've tried to, you know, Harry's got a good coach in Max Stedman, and, and I've been, you know, ridden very quite a bit and tried to, you know, do as I say, not as I've done kind of attitude, but, you know, that you've got, you know, you can train my numbers, but it's racing is, you know, what you've got to love at the end of the day, and if you love mm-hmm. the racing, you'll continue to do it, but you have got to have a life outside of the sport, and I think Harry's actually quite a well-rounded individual, like he, you know, he reads, you know, he's a, he's a learned character, which, you know, is, is, is good. You know, he's not, you know, he's, fo- he's 100% focused on the bike, but he's also got other things, you know, which occupy his mind, which I don't think a lot of people, you know, especially young athletes, especially now when there's, you know, everyone's in this weird lockdown, there's no racing, and there's juniors going out and doing 35-hour training weeks. You're like, well... That's just mad, isn't it, yeah. What are you going to do with that in your legs? Where are you going to go from there? And, you know, yeah, it's nice to get some big hours in. You know, it's probably ticks a box for a lot of them, but, you know, you don't need to be doing it. And I think, you know, Harry's got the right, yeah, his head switched on in that respect. Hmm. Well, thank you. Oh, that's nice, isn't it? Yeah, I, need, I need to get guests on saying nice things about me. That's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> if you grease my palm with... With notes <laughs> with the picture of the queen on, then we can do. <laughs> yeah, look for a brown paper bag underneath that bin outside your house. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Watch your fifties. So you've gone to you've gone to the Netherlands as a junior. Yeah. Um, I went, no, as a youth, I raced. And then I raced in Belgium. I raced in. So what did we do as junior? I raced in Belgium, France. We raced in Holland. We raced Ireland. We raced all over the shop and then a good junior career. And then, and then it was weird. So juniors finished, it was like weird, like junior finished and you're like, well, what do we do now? And I did, I had no idea, you know, finish college and you're like, well, what do we do? You know, I had no like real life goal. And then I, um, yeah, I just I ended up going to France on the ferry you know, going over to Normandy for a year and thinking, oh, this is it. Yeah, I'm going I'm to be pro. I'm going to be pro in a year's time. Yeah, bang, here we go. I'm, I'm on my way. And you get there and you're just like, nah, this is just not what I expected at all. I picked up by some French guy. You know, you the only the only French you ever remember from GCSEs is, um, you know, I can brush my teeth, brossier dont. And you're like, <laughs> yeah, this isn't, isn't helping me now. I and you get there. Old. I live in a house. Where's the beach? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you're like, and I got there, and they um, I remember, I didn't eat eggs at the time, and the the family thought I was a vegetarian, so they cooked me an omelette, and I was like, I don't even like eggs. <laughs> like, how did you even think I was a vegetarian? <laughs> it was like so bizarre, and ended up staying on this guy's sofa, 
And yeah, I'm sure he was on the sex offenders list. Like he was a weird guy. Woke up in the morning, like he was staring at me. <laughs> like, just, you know, you wouldn't put an 18, 19 year old in that position again. And then, yeah, it was, it was good. It actually turned out to be a good year, you know, it was, was getting good results in races and winning races. And then, yeah, I um, did one year and then I had a girlfriend at the time who, was in Southampton University and I went back to see her I went up to see her and I had my bike and I was smuggling my bike back into her halls of residence and this Spanish guy just stopped me in the corridor and started talking to me and it transpired this Spanish guy he's from the Basque country he was um he basically ran a uh, like an under 23 Basque team and he's like oh come out and race for us and then then oh wow then I spent three years in the Basque Country, racing out there. Raced is that for... with Kaja Rural? Yeah, I raced for one year with Opel Ivagani, which is a small team, which Iban Mayo raced for. Oh well, yeah. When he was a when he was a youngster, and they were a purely under twenty one team. And then after that, I went to Cajarral for two years, which was good and bad because I saw the good side of cycling, like how cycling actually works as a team sport. Because until then, you, yeah, you know, you know, you don't take, chase your teammate down and you know you have to get them bottles and stuff, but you didn't really know how team work, you know, worked. And then in that, you know, from that moment on, like we were, the Cajaral was a professionally run amateur team. Like we had, you know, Swannies mechanics, we had, two bikes we had loads of kit we had property meetings um you know we was organized at team trucks and cars it was amazing and then because at that point they didn't have a pro team like the pro team had stopped in the 80s and then Cajaral was the like the just the flagship team which then now later has turned into back into a pro team and it's still got the same managers but they were just so well run but also at the same time there was a lot of, I don't know, how can I say it? A lot of dodgy stuff going on, not within the team, but with individual riders. Right. You know, they yeah. would, they would, they would come in. They would put their stuff in the, come to the, my flat, and they would put put these little, um, Tupperware tubs full of whatever their potions and lotions in the fridge, you know. And then a couple of years later, they were like riding the Tour de France, and you know, yeah, what they, did you they think about that at the time? You know when you go to a restaurant and you can hear music mm. and you can hear the music playing and you know what the song is, right? Yeah. But you're not really listening to it. That was what doping was to me as a youngster. You, you knew it was happening, mm-hmm. but because it wasn't directly, you weren't directly involved with it, you didn't, you know, you had nothing to do with it. So yeah, it was kind of like that. Noise. Yeah, you knew it was happening, but you didn't, yeah. you didn't pay any attention to it. And mm. the team, like, they never... You know, they never said, oh, you know, they never said, oh, do this, do that. You know, never said anything. They they didn't. But also they didn't discourage riders from taking stuff either. Mm-hmm. But they didn't encourage. They certainly didn't encourage me and never mentioned to me to take anything. So, yeah. yeah, there's a lot of, I think they were respectful of each individual's kind of mindset and, you know, foresight into, you know. Morals. <laughs> Yeah, in, yeah, in, in, yeah, into, and to looking after, you know, essentially they're, they're, they've got 20, 21, 22 year olds 
you know, they're still impressionable people. You know, you've yeah. got your own mind at that point, but you're still listening to what other people are saying and doing around you. But they were really respectful of your views. And I think, you know, there's a lot of credit to that. You know, they have to, yeah, they have to take credit for that. They didn't discourage some of the guys taking it. And the team had a bad reputation. In Spain, there was, at the time, there was four or five teams and they used to call them bomberos equipos which is like firing you know, it was like the fire engine the fire firing teams you know and that's mm-hmm. like at the time that was like slang for like doper squads and it was like on one hand it was cool to be part of it because like they thought something you know they thought you was an absolute huge you know superman because you're on this team but mm-hmm. on the other hand they're like thinking oh, is he doping is he doing this what's he taking well i took nothing you know because of, i don't yeah, it's just, it's not, I've never thought about taking anything, it's not in my psyche, but, and also, like, this is, and I don't mean, this This can be twisted, but I would never have had the money to pay for it either, which, you know, that, I know that can be twisted, people go, oh, well, if you had the money, you would have paid, you would have done it, well, no, I wouldn't have done, but at the time, I used to justify it by saying, well, I haven't got X amount of euros spare, you know, Dave Rainer checks don't stretch that far. You know, to, you know, and expect you're not going to use that Dave Rainey check to go and buy gear, are you? You know, let's be real. You know, yeah. so how the other guys afford it? I have no idea, but they're all Spanish and they lived at home with their mums, didn't they? So, so we different. Yes, yeah. yeah, you know, I had, I had to move. I right, say so only to Spain, but I had to move out there. You know, and it was mm. cool. Like I was the only British guy there. I was the only English speaking guy there. I was the only English speaking guy in the Basque country now there's quite a few of them out there mm. and that was pretty cool to you know win races and be like the first english-speaking guy to win races and then you know there's a guy out there now alex ashman he like keeps messaging me like oh look i've seen your name on this trophy oh i've seen your name on this result sheet <laughs> and it's like yeah mate that was like a long time ago now mm. it's like a whole it's a whole generation away you yeah. know but it was cool That's yeah cool. i learned a lot also, but it also, it cracked me as well. You know, like you got to see the inner workings of a team and how they, they use you and spit you out. You know, if you're just a number to them ultimately. You know, they, they might respect you and they might like you, but, you know, you're just a number, you know. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and especially being a British rider. Oh, oh, El Chico Inglés, yeah. You know, you had to win like, you know, if the Spanish guy won four races and turned pro, you had to win eight races. You know, but you're not going to win eight races. I'm not a sprinter. Yeah. You know, I'm not Superman. You know, so yeah, it was it was a double-edged sword. Really, I learned a lot, but and I'm it really shaped me and defined me as a rider. But ultimately, I yeah, I think looking back, it was yeah, it was good and bad memories out there. So yeah, mm. there we go. That that was that was to that point, and then. <laughs> And then I went to Belgium. I was cracked and ill and injured. I had glandular fever and was fed up and oof, drinking a lot. And that was two thousand and when was that? Two thousand six, two thousand seven? No, two thousand seven, two thousand eight. Cracked. Transition Float- from like under twenty three to senior. Yeah, I just floated around a bit. I didn't really know what I was doing. I didn't really want to get come back to. The, I didn't want to come back to Cornwall. Mm-hmm. Like I love Cornwall. I don't obviously live here now, but I, I was like. Can't be bothered to get back there. There's nothing there for me, and um, yeah, I just floated around in Belgium for a bit, and I shouldn't have been there. Just going through the motions. But I met this girl, I lived in Peterborough, and then we um, 
yeah, I moved back to Peterborough with her and got a job and forgot about cycling for a little while and and then yeah, I just got training and riding again and then my the UK side of my career took off then. You know, rode for Pendragon and then Sigma Sport and yeah, from at a good twenty eleven with Sigma Sport and a, Was that when you won the um sprints at the tour series? Was that, that year? First year, yeah. 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 So that so I'd had a good year the year before and Matt Stevens signed me and I had a strong year in twenty eleven and then I really I again this is where me I I do things to the max sometimes and I don't really I had a tendency of overtraining massively. Like I do, I train hard now. Like Harry can just, you know, can tell you that. But I, I, you know, I listen to my coach. I listen to my body. But then I didn't have a coach. But I had a power meter, so I was just like trying to smack these numbers all the time. And 2012, and then Matt Stevens left the team, and we had no direction. Sly Richardson started managing the team, and he, you know, went from like one week being my mate to next week never selecting me for races and just being an absolute dick, basically. And then he, um, he he made the Tour of Britain selection when I had I got a weird throat, throat infection, and he would never select me for any race after that. And that was in the middle of the Tour series, and I couldn't ride this Tour series round, and I had to go home. And he told me he made the tour series tour of britain selection then at that race and i was like um, well you know what is that all about you know that you know months before and then yeah, never raced didn't didn't do a proper race for sigma sport again we did one race at the end of the year and it was a race in essex and i got away with two no tour riders and i got a good result got loads of preems and i and they all like they all got rubbish results and they're like this week before tour of britain and I was going really well because I'd been going out riding Belgian Kermesses. And they were like, oh, no, you're going to share your prize money with us. I was like, no, like, get lost. And then, yeah, evidently I was shown the door for that team. <laughs> but, but, yeah, it was, um, you know, it was just, yeah. Don't know what to say to that, really. I don't, you know, cause I obviously <laughs> don't want to slag people off in public. But, yeah, there were some individuals in that team who, who shouldn't have been managing a team. But that's basically they've taught me how to manage a team. Yeah, basically, yeah. basically don't do that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Essentially, yeah. <laughs> mm. One way to learn. Well, it is. You know, yeah. you you learn through bad mistakes, don't you, or others' bad mistakes? I think. Yeah, yeah, yeah. On the job learning, that is Harry. Very much so. You would have learned that in work experience. <laughs> I was in California for my work experience. Flipped it. No, How not like that? kids these no, no, days. We, huh? wow. we went on holiday. We went on holiday, and I was uh, pretending to work for my dad, but we actually took the the week off and flew out to California. <laughs> so we looked on the system. <laughs> I did mine at a naval air base and had to be, like just like lay pipes the whole time. <laughs> they, they used me as proper manual labour, and I was like. I want to fly helicopters. I don't want to be putting pipes in the ground. <laughs> yeah, no, I was just cruising, doing like <laughs> twenty thousand meters. Uh, no, twenty. Yeah, twenty thousand meters of elevation a week out in California. Great. Not all around like Tahoe and 
Carmel and whatnot. It's these days. Mm-hmm. Easy. How the other half live, hey? <laughs> I got family. Yeah, Harry's, got, Harry's got a good life, though. <laughs> Listen to him. He comes out with these little gems every now and again. <laughs> really, like the other day, he was like riding along next to me. He goes, I was just asking about his house. He goes, wow, it's not really a house. Kind of a kind of small holding. <laughs> wow, it's not really a small holding. It's a farm. Well, actually, it should have been on grand designs. And I'm like, where do you live? <laughs> I did exactly the same thing two or three days ago because um, I, I sent all the quick link guys uh, a badge, which might, might come tomorrow, by the way. So I asked, right. him, I asked Harry his address and he just gave me a postcode. I was like, well, I need a little bit more than that. So I put it in Google Maps and zoomed in and like, oh, right. Yeah, it's just <laughs> this, this gargantuan estate. <laughs> It's like, yeah, they'll it's, find it. <laughs> I know, yeah, but it's kind of cool, though. Because my, my parents are like... Like it, it, like, it was not them. They haven't had it their whole lives. So they've had to, like, grab and graft and earn it. Um, so it was quite a cool way to grow up, kind of see them build their life from, like, the ground up. Yeah. So it gives me quite a cool perspective on life. It's pretty great. Yeah, yeah you, need, you need that, like... Like your parents are always role models as well, but you need to yeah. see them if they've achieved their dream, and then you think, actually, I can achieve mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's just modesty, isn't it? It's like. <laughs> are you just not looking forward to when you turn 18? You've got to pay uh, 20 grand a week rent. <laughs> <laughs> I'd force him to. I might, I, might have, I might message your dad in a bit. <laughs> <laughs> I was trying to, I was trying to escape out to like France or something instead. Yeah, yeah, get a rainer ride somewhere and just disappear. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. It. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, new rider for twenty twenty two on the rainer is uh, Jerry Hughes. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, I wonder. So, um, I was chatting to Chris Opie about something the other day, and it was we. I've entered the St. Perrin team into. Um, uh, well, I had, had an invite from this race called um, Philippe van Collingslow, which I rode oh, as yeah. an under-25 in Belgium. Mm-hmm. And it's for under-25 riders. And well, I don't know why we were talking about it, you know, considering Chris is the wrong side of 30 as well. And I, and, and I said something to him, he goes, yeah, well, maybe I'll just get a fake license and fake name. And I was like, I wonder how many people have done that, you know, like... <laughs> These Russians and Colombians, you would never, you can't age. You know, there's that Facebook site, isn't there? Like footballers who look 30 and they're 18. <laughs> like, you know, it could be them, couldn't it? Like, you, like, I, I wonder if anyone has done that, like, just totally change their name and come back as a different person and raced, <laughs> you know, 10, you know, pretending to be 10 years younger than they actually are. <laughs> I guess it'd work in a different country. Like, it just rocked up to like. Yeah, in the middle of nowhere in Spain. Yeah, I mean, when you sign up for a BC license, you don't have to prove who you are or anything, do you? you just no. join. But yeah, yeah, that's true. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm yeah, not, I'm not trying this. Yeah. You found a loophole, Steve. That's it. I know what we're all doing this weekend. <laughs> yeah, what? What spending? What spending ninety quid on racing license that you can't actually use anyway? That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm now I'm six at, foot two under twelve. I say I'm going to destroy the under ten Belgian girls cross scene. <laughs> <laughs> that came out slightly wrong. I might edit that. Yeah, out. that did. Yeah, yeah, that... no, I... yeah. No, that's <laughs> what I mean. Says I might win. Uh... <laughs> so, 
Cycling, eh? Right. Um, <laughs> so you left Sigma, Sigma Sports. Yeah, I, left Sigma, uh, I left Sigma Sport. Stayed domestic since then? Yeah, right? I've, been yeah. I've been a domestic pro since 2011. So I rode for uh, Sigma Sport for two years. It, changed, it did change its name. IG Sigma Sport the second year it was. And then I rode for Node 4 Giordana, which is a mega team, actually. Pinarello bikes. A couple mm-hmm. of Pinarello dogmas. I still got one at home, actually. Um, got to rag around in a Subaru car. Malcolm Elliott as a teammate. Uh, well, team manager, actually. Yeah, it was a mega team, that. Did some good races. And the second mm-hmm. year, stayed with that team, but it changed name to Velashore Giordana. And then just before the Tour of Britain, we became just Giordana. And we had this horrible, like... Giordana jerseys that you could just buy in a bike shop to wear in the race and then all the like world tour teams were just looking at us like look at this bunch of chumps in the tour of Britain <laughs> just wearing these like baggy white and black jerseys <laughs> but it was good fun muddy fox road team <laughs> yeah it was yeah. terrible like these these like 20 pound Giordana jerseys that you could just you know, pick up on the sale rail of a bike shop <laughs> but they just changed the name like the night before the tour of Britain. So, oh yeah, well we're changing now. Yeah, we, we've we've got rid of Velashore. Yeah, okay, all right. Then. Mm-hmm. No, but it was a good team. It was a good, good setup. Did some good races. Malcolm Elliott, Bill Nixon, team managers. Phil Griffiths. He was a a legend. You know, he was a, a DS in the eighties for ANC. Um, oh right, yeah. He um in, used to be an importer for Pinarello and Asos and absolute absolute nutcase. Like older, any of your older view, older listeners will will probably you know everyone's heard of Griffo for a certain generation. Like yeah, absolutely mental. Went in there one day and he was walking around his warehouse and he just gives me this massive cardboard box. And he, at the time he was importing like Asos, Rudy Project, Giordana, Pinarello, Rudy um. Oh, I can't remember what else he had. And he's just like throwing glasses, like left like 10 pairs of glasses and, you know, 50 pairs of bib shorts. And there's loads of kit, like bulging in this bag and two Pinarello frames. I'm like, oh, this is amazing. Went back like a week later and um, to get, I had to, we had to meet there for a race. That was it. And I was wearing, because I'd only, randomly, I only had one t-shirt, one Pinarello t-shirt. And um, and I was wearing this rip curl t-shirt, and he walks up to, me, and I walked in. I said, "Right, Phil," and he just like just stared through me like I wasn't there. And I was like, <laughs> I looked at his um colleague, and he just shook his head, and he's like, "Yeah, just just get out." Walked walked back out again, and then Phil just come running out. He's like, "Who the does rip curl sponsor you? No, Pinarello sponsor you. I sponsor you. I pay your wages. Why are you wearing this?" And I just turned around to him and just lost my shit. I'm like, Phil, you've only given me one fucking t-shirt. What? I'm going away for a five-day stage race. You know, I'm going to wear it when I'm there. And he just looked at me and he stormed off. Malcolm Elliott was like, oh, shit, you're sacked. That's it. Just just get your bags out of the car. You're going home. Like, no one speaks to Griffo like that. And then the next thing, Phil just comes out with two, well, three or four t-shirts, you know, and, and he just goes, handed me these t-shirts. Didn't throw it nicely. He goes, oh, sorry, Lamps. There's, um, there's some t-shirts. And he goes, no one's ever spoken to me like that before. Don't speak to me like it again, but I appreciate what you're saying. And I was like, flipping it. I was like, shitting myself. Like, he's not a guy you want to upset. You know, he's a, you know, a true, one of the, like, old school, 
yeah, one of the old guard of cycling. You know, there's not many guys like that. There's no guys like that left now, you know, who just run and rave and shout and scream and get what they want. And he was one of those guys. But hmm. yeah, he yeah, he put a lot of his own money into and it's a nutcase, but he put his own money into bike racing teams and yeah, that's quite yeah. I think a proper do, do for the right reasons kind of guy. Yeah, yeah, he he, he did it because he just loved the sport. He still loves the sport. I think he lives now in Mallorca. He just cruises around and just chills out. He sold the you know the importing business. Well, I think his son runs it now. He's just cruising around, just living the life. His wife Jackie, she was a really good rider back in the back in the day. You know, he just you know, lives a dream. He's, you know, he's helped everyone. You know, from Wigo to Malcolm Elliott, and just yeah. I think he used to employ like all these old. He used to employ like Barry Hoburn and Les West and Malcolm Elliott, you know, it was like a proper old boys club. Yeah, it right, was a, yeah. yeah, he loved it. But he, but he had this like weird, he married into this family. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get this completely wrong, but you might need to do some research on this. So he married into the Swinnerton family. At the same time, John Herity married into the Swinnerton family. And the Swinnerton family, a big bike shop. Yeah, Big bike show, yeah. and they were all there was like six or seven girls, I think, and they were all racing cyclists, but like really good, like Olympic level racing cyclists. And they all went to the Olympics at various times. And Griffo and Herity hated each other. And I've heard the story from both sides. And you know, with the story, there's always three sides to the story, you know, like his side, her side, his side, the other side, and the truth. So I want to know what the truth is of this story. And there's a big bust up and big fight and if uh, some kind of family get together and Griffo and Herity were rucking in the in the gravel on the driveway, like just knocking each other out. But I'd love <laughs> wow. to hear like the actual truth of this this story. But it's quite funny hearing it from, you know, Griffo who just hated Herity, who just wanted to get one up on him all the time. And Herity was just like Oh yeah, Griffo, oh, what a dick! Just moaning <laughs> about him in another way. It was quite funny, you know. But, but yeah, that was uh, yeah. Going back to it, that was two thousand and when was that? Two thousand thirteen, two thousand fourteen. Yeah, good, good years. We got paid. We got we used to get paid in bikes as well. So our yeah, salary was hey, nice. Well, yeah, but it was a bit weird it's like well doesn't pay the rent though does it yeah it's like uh, how am i going to pay the mortgage with a you know what am i going to do go, go to the mortgage man with the pinarello dogma right <laughs> here you go <laughs> yeah it was a bit awkward in that respect but yeah it worked out well you know you got you sold your bikes and yeah he because you know he could say because he used to say oh well, I'm, I'm paying you you know 40 grand a year well you're not phil you're paying us so much cash and then you're giving us bikes and then you're letting me use the car but in his eyes that was like a massive value you know it's, uh, right yeah you yeah. know he was like a old school rogue in that respect but yeah straight up you knew where you were with him that was that was pretty cool you know whereas the, the team i went to next you didn't know if you were coming going gone upside down you know that must be, on a tight must be yeah that was rally. Yeah, it was good team, but you didn't know what was happening until you knew. You know, <laughs> it was it's such a strange team, and the things like I think, like 
there's obviously been a lot written about Shares now because she's you know the first female DS at World Tour level, you know, employed at World Tour level, and which yeah, is yeah, amazing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But she, what I didn't like, and what, and this probably be controversial, but it was like she would play. Oh, I'm a, I'm a woman, so <laughs> no one cares. You know, like no one actually cares. But she was good. She was really, really good manager. If you wanted a pair of bib shorts, you know, you got a pair of bib shorts. But, you know, I mean, she lived in Derby, but got lost driving out of Derby. I mean, you just had to plan like two hours extra for everything. You had to, you know, you couldn't. I was so used to uh, like Node 4, just kind of working my own logistics in some ways. Saying, oh, well, I'll meet you here or, you know, I'll meet you at this hotel or whatever. You know, Mount giving you some kind of input. But with her, you had to go to Derby first. You know, and then from Derby, you had to travel onwards to your race. It's like, well, oh, right. it's easier if I go and meet you at, you know, Ferryport or if I meet you here. But you know, she wouldn't have any of it. And she was so steadfast in her ways. But, yeah, it was a good team. I won the Premier Canada there. And, yeah. Do was... uh, World Tour riders have to meet her at Derby? Everyone had to meet her at Derby. <laughs> well, yeah, she, yeah, I wonder if she's going to do that now. Oh Has yeah, um, Chris, can you can you come and meet me? <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the I'll way, I'll pick you up. I'll pick you up at East Midlands yeah. Airport, and then you can drive your hire car to Derby. Yeah, yeah. I reckon. <laughs> yeah, she probably yeah, has to change now, but <laughs> but yeah, yeah no, it's pretty cool. They go to Nottingham, and then we'll uh, catch the ferry to Dubai. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's 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 pretty cool how she's gone there to the to the world tour. Though I mean that's. Yes, that, that's big respect for her for, you know, just chasing that dream. But, yeah, there's a lot. Yeah, I learned a lot from Shez, really, to do what I do now with St. Piran. But, yeah, she um, yeah, she was she was organised, really organised in some respects. But, yeah, just sometimes just didn't know. And that race selections, like making race selections like the day before the race. It's like, you know, I was always. Yeah, you know, I, I have heard secure, that, yeah. But, I was always pretty secure with races, but some of the younger lads, like, it wasn't on. Yeah. Mm. And, you, and, then, and then the worst thing is they would come to you and you're like, well, I haven't got, I haven't got a voice. I'm not going to say, you know, and it was, it was good. But yeah, we had Evan Oliphant, Ian Wilkinson, and it was, you know, Wilco was at the end of his career then, but my gosh, what a bike rider. An absolute hero of a, a rider, Ian Wilkinson. You know, well, another one for your older listeners. Yeah. Yeah. Would yeah, that be the Yanto Barker era as well? Uh, Yanto was there the year before I was. Oh, okay, right. Yeah. So Yan- Yanto was there in 2014 and he won the Premier Canada. And then, because it was like Shez's big thing, like winning the Premier Canada overall. Because yeah. Ev won it in 2013. Yanto won it in 2014. And then I won it in 2015. Yeah, it was her like... It was her thing, you know. That was what she kind of, and I just, I it just happened. It, I just ended up winning. It. I didn't want any. It wasn't an aim or an ambition of mine. It just kind of fell my way, which was pretty cool. And I won it with three rounds to go outright. But she oh, made nice. me. She made me ride. I would have been the. I wanted to ride the last round, but I didn't want to ride the two in between because I wanted to go away to train for Tour of Britain, and that was always going to be in my. I was always going to miss those races to go away to train. That's what I'd done the year before. And I had a good, really good tour of Britain. It's the best domestic rider, which I'm really proud of. But 
had this plan. I was going to go away to the to the Pyrenees to train, and and she made me race. And you know, it was you know we had an argument like the day, the night before the Welsh, the Abu Ghabi round of the the Premier Canada, uh, the Wales Grand Prix, and she's there like, you've signed for another team, you've signed for another team, and I hadn't signed for another team that point. <laughs> and she was like kicking off me. I says, well, you know. Okay, I'm gonna. I'm just gonna go home. Shares. You can't go home. If you leave now, you're not riding Tour of Britain. You know, just saying stuff like that. You're like, well, come on. You know, that's not. That's not exactly good management, is it? You know. <laughs> but, but yeah, it was. Um. But yeah, no, she was. Yeah, she had her flaws, but I think you know ultimately she was just good, and I think she, I think she always felt as if she was always misunderstood, which I never understood. You know, right, like. Yeah. You know, playing on that, not playing on it, but like thinking because she was a female that she wasn't getting the voice that she deserved, which I think, you know, I, I think she got the voice she deserved hugely. And she had a lot of respect in, within the UK peloton, you know, and a lot of riders have been through that team. But I think she needed to potentially believe in herself a bit more rather than, yeah, rather than the kind of stress or not stress you know kind of stressing that people didn't or trying to fit you know she's stressing to always fit in rather than just be yourself so i I really hope you know where she's at now that she is going to be herself and you know she's got a team around her now that that that, you know will kind of not believe in her because they they obviously believe in her but they will you know let her do what she needs to do or the enabler to do what she needs to do you know because they've already given her that leg up so yeah i wish her best of luck really yeah and it's not her credit card now (laughs) and it's it's not her credit card but i mean she never really scrimped on money either that was that was a good thing with shares like you know you you didn't you didn't feel when you were going to a race and you were ordering whatever off the, the menu she would say oh tonight's budget is x amount you know she didn't it was never a you know or you counting pennies or anything, which was, which was nice, yeah, which is good, but but yeah, it was just, it it was just shit because I just left on you know bad terms, you know I'd, yeah, I didn't know what to do and yeah had a haste, still did my training camp in France, but it wasn't what I wanted it to be, and then yeah, as I was driving out there, Herity rung me out of the blue as well, and then within twenty minutes I'd agreed a deal with JLT. And then oh, come back, came back to the UK and then Shez didn't know. And I still was holding her off, holding her off, not telling her because she used to do this thing. If you didn't sign for her, she wouldn't teach the tour of Britain. So I was like, no, nah, I'm not saying anything, not saying anything. And oh, then I, yeah, I remember you riding it. I was like, what's the, what's the story there? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, it was weird that I wasn't in a good place mentally. Like I was just under, I was underprepared. I was overcooked from a lot of racing that year. Yeah. Um, you know, I'd raced everything. Everything the team did, I did it. And I was just like, yeah, I just want to back off and train. Because racing takes away from training. So I was just like, well, okay, we'll make the most of it. Maybe maybe I might go for GC this year. You know, I was just, I'll try and do something else. And then first day, just struggled a bit. Second day, struggled a bit. No, second day, I actually got my head kicked in on a stage which I really was aiming for. And some good mates of mine wrote my name all over the road, which is pretty cool. Oh. And uh, yeah, and then um, the yeah, the yeah, it went to it was Cliver Road to Colne, and oh, okay. it was yeah. 
absolutely horrific stage. And I actually ended up living in that area for a couple of years when I was at JLT and used to train on those roads. Well, actually, I used to avoid training on those roads. They were that hard. But it was, it was an amazing stage. If you were fit, yeah. And like where the, I can't remember the guy's name, but the guy that won it, he was a Czech, he was a Czech champion. Or he was a quick step. Uh, I can't remember his name. But he uh, attacked on the hill where I said, oh, yeah, that's it. Yeah, Vakoc, yeah. He attacked on the hill where I said, oh, this is, this, this, whoever attacks on this hill is going to win the race. And that's what he did. Did you but, tell him that? Or... No, I didn't tell him that. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> I didn't tell him that, but I said that. I said it to my mate, my mate Gatesy, who lives up there. Yeah. But it's a bit, but saying about, you know, like when you say something, you know, you know, oh, whoever attacks on this hill is going to win the race. Or sometimes I've done it where I've looked at a bike rider and I've gone, oh, been chatting to another one. Oh, he hasn't won anything for a while. And then he just goes and wins something. It's happened a couple of times. Chatting to OP about Tom Stewart once. Oh, yeah. Yeah, Tom Stewart's gone a bit quiet and won anything. And then next day he goes and wins Lincoln. And then Liam Hollihan <laughs> did the same in uh, in the RAS when him and Rob Partridge were laughing at him because he spilled yogurt all down himself. <laughs> you know, the breakfast. And I uh, look at Liam, he hadn't done, he done bugger all for a couple of years. Oh, what's he doing here? And then he goes and wins that stage. Yeah. So um, <laughs> I just want someone to talk to me about me like that. Oh, Lamps, he's going a bit shit. He ain't done nothing. But... <laughs> Probably, probably talking truth. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So two years at JLT. Two, two years. Yeah, two. Two, years. two years. Yeah. Yeah. Two years. Is that when you two started years. going um, over to New Zealand? Yeah. Well, I had a Kiwi girlfriend at the time, so I used to, I'd I'd gone over there in twenty fourteen, twenty fifteen, anyway. Okay. So, and they just enabled me to continue doing that for. <laughs> for a couple more years which is pretty cool actually got to race New Zealand got to race in Suntour which is a mega race Cadell Evans road race is actually the best race I've ever done in my life raced yeah we've done they did Tour of Taiwan and then the team did loads of stuff they did Korea ended up doing um, racing uh, where did we race in in um, oh flipping it I can't remember it's on the tip of my tongue that's gone. We raced Tour of Normandy. We raced, yeah, we raced in so many places. It was, uh, yeah, it's pretty cool actually. Pretty, yeah. We had everything: good bikes, yeah, heritage switched on, good mechanic, good Swannies, good teammates. You know, you could just turn up and you just win races. Russ Downing just win races. You know, Chris Lawless go win races. Bibby, Brenton Jones, yeah. It'd be nice to see Brenton back at that level again this year if he gets a chance to race in the UK. Yeah, that'd be good. So you've had a good first year with Canyon and obviously last year, complete write-off. He was looking strong at um, Crit Champs last weekend. Yeah, he's yeah. it, looking strong. He's looking a little bit big, but I mean, he's a big guy anyway, but I mean, he's looking, yeah, he's looking, yeah, if he can lean down a bit more for the UK stuff, but like, he was so good. I mean, we did... With Brenton, because you believed in him, you rode really hard for him, and he thanked you. He was like, "Yeah, thanks, mate. Thanks, mate." We did one race. We did two races, two Premier Candidates, one in Lincolnshire and one in uh, Stockton Grand Prix. And I pretty much rode the front for like hundred k, and like, you know, he won both of them. And he like, and he thanked you, and he was so appreciative of the work that you had done. 
and that's really cool. Whereas mm. some other riders in that team, they weren't appreciative of you know the work you ever did for them. Which, yeah, I mean, I'm not looking for someone to thank you all the time, but you, you want to be acknowledged for the work you you've done, especially when sometimes you gave up your you know chances of any kind of victory. Or, or result, and you you put it on the line for somebody else, and then they 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 win the race, and they don't say anything. That kind of fixing the teeth a bit, but mm. yeah, it's just like it takes all sorts of characters, doesn't it? So, so yeah, it's a real shame we lost JLT from the from the ranks a couple of years ago. I think. Yeah, they're... it was um when I decided to leave them, so I was I was in a negotiation with Herity anyway. I was like, oh, you know, what can we do? What can we do? And then I'd come home to Cornwall and it was coincided with with the the time was right for me to move home. And I'd spent, you know, spending more and more time back home in Cornwall, but still living up in Lancashire at the time. And uh, I went and popped in to see Ricky. And then he was just, St. Pyram was a thing at that point. But then he said, well, why don't you come and race for us and do this and do that? And then planted this seed and I went away and then I rung him up. And I was like, can we do this? And I'd had a tentative offer from Herity for JLT. And then I rung, rung him up and said, oh, I'm going to, so I'm going to do this thing with St. Piran and, you know, told him what, what our aims and ambitions were for the team and, you know, how it was a long-term goal and, you know, putting a lot of stuff back into the sport insight, you know, of cycling in Cornwall and then yeah he was yeah he was like genuinely excited for me which was which was quite nice but it was like but that year my first year at St. Pyram the year that I wasn't with JLT you could see JLT winning loads and loads but you could see because you knew how to manage a team and run a team and you knew what needed to go into that there that all wasn't as rosy behind the scenes and oh, right. Roundy our mechanic mechanics or it did mechanic a little bit for for JLT as well, and he just said, "Yeah, yeah, we're, yeah." They had meetings, and they said, "You know, we haven't got a sponsor." And you know, night before Tour Britain, like, "Yeah, lads, go do what you want." Like, we haven't got a sponsor. You know that. You know, just imagine being told that before Tour Britain, like the biggest race in the UK. <laughs> yeah. You know, your your, your head's going to be in your boots. You know? I'm trying to think who rode the uh, the tour that year. Um, I don't remember who rode it that year. 2018. I reckon Ali Slater did it. Uh-huh. Bibby, Gullen. Mum's Gullen there that year? Yeah, Gullen uh, was there. Oh, I've got it. Uh, Briggsy, Bradbury, Moses, Mould, Ali Slater and Tom Stewart. Yeah. You'd take that for a round of the tour series, wouldn't you? Yeah, it's a good team, that. Strong team. But that I think that was like Herity's problem as well, like he had too strong a team the whole time. Like he could take like like an A and a B team or a C team, and they all would have won races. You know, just to, like that'd be pretty amazing if you if you had the program for those riders. I mean, Tim's got that now with with Canyon. He's got like a really really good program, and he's built a team that you know is Herity esque. You know, whereas Herity had that team you know three years ago. Now Tim's got that team. But whereas yeah. Tim, when when Herity had the strong team, Tim had a team that people didn't want to ride for, like Pedal Heaven. No one wanted to ride for. Them. Didn't get into Tour of Britain. Didn't get into Tour of Yorkshire. <laughs> you know, and they were seen like a little bit of a 
you know, a little bit of a joke team, strong team, good team. Well, you know, running the same style that 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 Tim runs race that runs teams now, but no one really wanted to go there. You know, and that was. But now everyone, everyone wants. They're looking at Canyon because they think that's the the, the team. But he's only taken the same mold as what Heracles had. You know, all the best riders get the best riders, get the best races. You know, get the best races, get the best riders, you get the biggest budget. You know, that's yeah. Unfortunately, that's how cycling works, and it's you know, mm. massive chicken and egg the whole time. But, yeah. yeah. So. Back with St. Perrin, a couple of years there. And then how did how did the year with Ribble, obviously wasn't wasn't much of a year, but you had a decent decent hit out in the uh, is it Saudi tour? Saudi tour, man. Yeah. Still, I'm still thirsty from that race. <laughs> how did how so, did that move come about? Um How did that move come about? So I I've known Jack for years, Jack and Jack Reese and Tom Timothy, and they're great guys. So, disclaimer, Jack and Tom, amazing people, right? No, and I think they've set like a, a real, they've done the maximum they could potentially do with a team. You know, they've organ, they organise stuff really well and they do stuff really well. But organising the bike racing team, they, they're not the greatest at it. Um, so, <laughs> but I didn't know that, obviously, when I joined them. Um, but it was a bit random. I, I randomly just messaged. We were, so, St. Perrin were going to be Continental. And at the eleventh hour, we had a big sponsor just drop out. They just said, "No, we're not doing it." Bang, and we're like, "Fuck!" And we're like, we were sat there, me, myself, Richard Pasco, and Colin Bradbury, uh, you know, one of the guys that's on our management yeah. team. And we're like, well, "We could do this, but it's going to be a stretch." And I just don't know what we're going to do. You know, you know, we we we've kind of set ourselves up for doing this, and you know, Ricky's all. At that point, Ricky was like, "Right, yeah, we're gonna make it. We're gonna make it work. Make it work." And I was like, "Yeah, but Ricky, you, you're you're 55. You've got a child on the way. I at that point, I had a child on the way. I couldn't take any risks." And um, he, so we were like, "Right, let's just be an elite team." So we'd settled on being an elite team, and then just a few messages to Jack, like text messages, and oh no, we're not being, we're not continental. It's not happening. And then he said, oh, there's a place in our team. And that's like, okay, then, well, let's make it work. So it was a bit of a convoluted deal where, whereby I was still working for St. Piran, doing all the management behind the scenes, management of the team. And St. Piran were paying me. Ribble, were to- Ribble, the team, were topping it up with a little bit of cash. But Ribble, the company, Ribble Cycles, they were going to provide bikes for the team and they were doing this they were going to do a St. Pyrrhon designed bike and they were going to distribute you know because we produce we don't produce yeah. them, but we have a lot of products um, and they were going to distribute flyers with every sale with the St. Pyrrhon merchandise and wine and cider and biscuits and stuff that we do <laughs> and then yeah, it was all licking roses we can do all this stuff and then and then they came back with some frame designs and it just had tiny little St. Pyrrhon logo and a massive Ribble logo. We're like, well, that's not what we did, agreed on. We're like, no, it has to be that or nothing else. And there's, oh, and by the way, it's a 20-week wait. I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not, not happening, is it? Um, but then they got hold of Cam Jeffers and they were like, you know, promising Cam the world, giving Cam <laughs> a load of stuff. Of course. Yeah. So 
Camels, he, you know, ended up doing his thing where, you know, getting where he's got with, with Rivel now. Um, and then, yeah, we didn't get their frames and yeah, we had to not not go back to Colnago because we never really left Colnago, but we just kind of had to, you know, make, you know, not make them men, that's the wrong, wrong phrase, but we, you know, had a, you know, had Slide a back in their DMs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm sorry for calling you fat. But <laughs> yeah, no, we had to. Um, yeah, we didn't really have to do much leg because they they wanted us for what we we are as a team to them. Um, and then we, yeah, so it all wasn't as rosy as it seemed with, with Ribble. And then we did their first race, Tour of Saudi. We flew out there; it's pretty cool, mega race. I was like, yeah, this is cool. And I knew we were doing it on a shoestring. I knew we were a small team. You know, we had like one item a kit which is fine like i know like running the team you're getting kit is really hard like the saint Pierre kit as i speak is somewhere in italy or romania or albania (laughs) you know it's but it's been in the system since november it's not it's not a quick thing you know yeah so that's fine you know we had mismatching bikes we had you know but but we, we were going to race and that was cool we turned up the airport and put, putting all the bags in and, and stuff. And, and then I was just like, and I just thought to myself, well, I've never, never been to a race where we haven't taken our own cool boxes and, and stuff like that. But I just, I kept quiet about it, you know, and I've had like two years of managing a team. So and we'd done some races in Europe and, and, and stuff. And I knew what you needed to take to a race. And then, so I just thought, maybe the, they, maybe the organizers have said they're giving cool boxes and stuff to the, to the race to the riders, to the teams. Then we get there, like no cool boxes. All the other teams have got their own cool boxes. And I was like, yeah, um, why haven't we got a cool box? Why haven't we got this? Oh, the team don't own one. It's like, um, well, why Why have we come to a race in the desert and we haven't got a cool box? <laughs> like, come on. You know, that's, you know, surely looking after riders is, is think, oh, well, the team don't own one anyway. You're like, well, what? You know, like St. Pyrrhon's elite team, you've got three or four of them. You know, Swanee's got them. We put them in the back of the cars, and you know, yada yada yada. And you know, okay, fair enough. But yeah, then we went to training camp. And we had a real nice training camp. The team bikes were there, and we were looking cool and and stuff. And then we went out to do this race in Holland, and and uh, it was a, my, my last proper road race actually. And he goes, uh, "Well, how are you getting to the race then, Lamps?" I said, "Well, surely I'll just meet you at like you know, Folkestone, you know." We'd go across on the Euro Tunnel and um go, Well what what vehicle are you gonna go in? We're only taking one team car and I'm like, What? So <laughs> it transpired they had to take we had to take the Saint Pyrrhon team car, the Saint Pyrrhon mechanic, Saint Pyrrhon cool boxes, the Saint Pyrrhon oh, race wow. radio for a Ribble to do the race. They'd sent this guy to do they'd only sent one team like staff member and they could do and he, this is going to be his first time DS in a race. And he was shitting himself. So he's like, <laughs> he had to get my mechanic to DS, drive the car in the convoy, because he was so scared. <laughs> you know, it's just like, there's a lot of potential there, but I don't think they're the most organized team. And I think after that race, I, you know, I wrote a big long email, I had a big conversation with Jack, because obviously I was going to be there for foreseeable. And, you know, said, look, you need to do this, this, and this, and this before we race, you know, 
we had to buy our own breakfast at the race. We had to buy our own evening meal. And that's you know, for a UCI race, I don't think that's that, that's not on, not a not a continental level team. And yeah, not and prima donna. Like I don't mind doing it, but you know, I think it's the minimum that should be provided. And yeah, it's just yeah, a little bit haphazard. But you know, maybe they they change themselves now. They have got like James Shaw and Matt Gibson yeah. and few others now so they you know they need to step up a bit and hopefully taking on what i've said it's be be nice yeah legacy but i guess for the... any team that make that elite to continental transformation is a a huge huge organizational step mm. um, I, yes and no so from my perspective i took everything i learned from all the teams i raced for and st Pierre had it straight away Okay, so we never had the biggest budget at races. We never had, we had a team car and a van at the races, but we always had a mechanic, we always had Swannies, and we always had, um, you know, nutrition and bottles. Yeah, okay, at times we'd be potentially, you didn't have the most stuff, but we had everything working right. We had a mechanic who had learned his trade at JLT. You know, he would be washing bikes the night before, changing bits on bikes if they needed to be changed. You know, we always had everything working, you know, like clockwork. You know, we logistics, I'm I've always been like a quite a logical person, so logistics and that sort of things comes quite easily to me. Um, you know, always book good hotels. Always I have this thing where, you know, we we always stay as a team pretty much at a Premier Inn. That's because it, you know, Premier Inns are not the most luxurious, luxurious hotel, but they are good hotels. And if you go to them, you, you can go to a, a Premier Inn in Stockton on Tees, or you could go to one in um, Camborne in Cornwall, and they're exactly the same. You know yeah. what you're going to get. The beds are the same, decor is the same, you know, the food is going to be the same, you know, and that's familiarization for the riders. It's really important. Um, you know, and I'd heard these stories that, at Ribble where they, you know, book the accommodation on the drive down on their phones, you know, <laughs> just like gambling on what kind of accommodation they're going to get. Yeah, it's a bit of a laugh if you, you know, in hindsight, oh, yeah, remember when we stayed in this, you know, in this flea pit or this brothel or whatever you stayed in? Yeah, it's a laugh after, but not when you want to try and win a Premier Canada. It's not, is it? <laughs> you know, it's it's just, you know, you've got to be switched on with that stuff. Um, yeah. You know, race entries the only the only step up for me for the organization of st Pierre being going from elite to continental it's just the uci paperwork it's because everything has to be done you know that the the registration stuff we all had to do like the same for every team but we did it you know to the t to the letter Mm. and you have to submit it at certain times you have to pay if each step you pay your different fees and you know, we did everything properly and it was, it was a headache, but we did it all properly. And it, we've pride, you know, myself and Colin, who do a lot of the, the admin stuff, you know, we pride ourselves in how good we are with that. And it's, yeah, that's been the hardest. That's been the only biggest step up. You know, we've still, I'm still entering UCI races. The only difference is that instead of getting 250 euro start money at some of them, I'm getting 500 euro start money. Yeah, but we're still a low-level continental team. We still got to prove ourselves. You know, yeah. that's the only, the only difference. And also now throwing the you know, Brexit and 
from yeah. coronavirus. And then you've got, you know, now I've got to fill in travel carnets and travel exemption forms and they're done on a case by case basis from British Cycling and yada yada yada. So yeah, there's a lot of lot more admin that's been thrown in on top, but in a normal year that wouldn't be there. So yeah. Yeah. It's, but but I've always been but I've set this team up to be rider centric so the riders have what they need to have. We don't pamper them. They don't have yeah. They don't have four poster beds or they don't have, you know, foie gras thrown at them. But they have, you know, they get a good meal, you know, which is provided by the team. They get breakfast provided by the team, race nutrition provided by the team. You know, they get they get looked after like athletes, like I was looked after in my career. And I think that's, mm. yes, yeah, that's important as a, as a bike rider. Of of the team, do you think, are you targeting anything specific this year with them or with anyone specific at all? Or take what comes? Well, it's a bit difficult with- because we don't really there's no concrete line of when racing actually starts so i had this i had this plan uh the start of the very well the end of last year and i wanted i wanted the team to buy into it and i haven't really communicated to them yet so if they're listening to them it's going to be a bit of a surprise um <laughs> i wanted to basically go to every race be be it um your regional c world champs on a wednesday night or national b road race on saturday premier calendar road race or whatever and you know what we want to win the races get as many points as we can on the board each rider gets as many points as they can i don't believe in points chasing i've never points chased in my life but i want riders to learn how to win especially the younger ones and go to these races they're gonna have they're gonna be chased they're gonna be followed because you know, they've got a continent of jersey but winning races so i wanted them to win had this ambitious goal of winning 30 races this year as a team you know, I won eight races last year or year before last. So it's not, you know, with 13 guys in the team, that's, you know, that should be achievable. Um, I also want, it's a big call, but I do want to try and win the Tour Series because why should we not take it to Canyon? I know you're a massive Canyon fan and you're not going <laughs> to, but I think you should change your allegiance. But we should take it to Canyon. Yeah, we haven't got the raw power that they've got, but we've got a lot of power. And especially now with Opie back as well. He's yeah, yeah. the fastest sprinter in the UK. You know. Yeah, still is. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's doing he hasn't raced since twenty eighteen, but he's doing phenomenal numbers. You know, he's yeah, he he's still got it. You know, he's absolute hitter. And then we've got like, you know, we've really strengthened their core group of guys, you know, Tom Mazone, Stephen Bradbury, you know, strong riders. We've got you and Evans from Wales, a young nineteen-year-old, like fast sprinter. He's. I heard some. It, it's a bit weird. I he sent me a CV, and I don't. Anyone that sends me a CV, I just delete them. Like I don't look at them because they're always the same bullshit. Like oh, yeah, I would have done really well, but I broke my leg, and then my granny's cat fell over, and then I got glandular fever. Fuck off! I've heard it all before. You know, like if I've seen your race, you're going to be, and I, and I believe, and if I look at you, had a good look at you, because I sit and I analyze riders all the time. People don't see this, but I look, I watch riders, watch what they're doing, you know, how they're riding in the bunch, how they're interacting with people, how they, you know, how strong are they? And then I look at their results, BC results, pro cycling stats results, you know, all, all stuff like that. Now do some secret squirrel kind of 
you know, research on them. Oh, you know, who's his coach? What numbers are he doing? You know, because people will send you, you know, ev- everyone now at the minute is doing 400 watts 20, for 20 minutes. You know, <laughs> everyone, regardless if they're 50 kilos or, you know, 80 kilos. It's like, you're not doing 400 watts. Your power meter is over reading. Don't lie to me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, it's... <laughs> you, I think I'm 20 watts for 400 minutes, to be honest. (laughs) (laughs) That's a good claim. Why don't you put that on a CV? You should write a CV and just send it to teams like that. (laughs) (laughs) But, you know, like, you know, the the amount of seats, just jokes, you just get them. You know, a lot of, like, dreamers, you know, and they're they're right to dream that. I'm not saying that. You've got to have that ambition, but it's only backed up with how you are on a bike and results, you know, and then... And then from that, that's how I selected the team, the 2020 team. But everyone in that 2020 team was handpicked. And then, yeah. you know, I've bolstered that with like three signings. And Ewan Evans was one of them. Like, he's, he sent me the CV and I just kind of ignored it. And then somebody sent me a message about him. And then I did some research and I spoke, asked a few people. And I was like, yeah, why, why, why aren't you going to the Welsh? I kind of I asked him out. I spoke to Rob Partridge at Welsh Cycling. Like, what about you? And he says, oh, yeah, well. Yeah, he's a bit hard work him, you know, he's he's this and he's fat, really, really fast on the bike, really, really good on the bike, you know, super talented, but he's, you know, he's a, he's a proper lad. And I was like, yeah, he sounds cool. I like this guy. <laughs> I spoke to him for like three hours on the phone. I'm like, yeah, mate, you're in. <laughs> like, you are part of this team, you know. We are, and I really believe I can get a lot out of him, you know. Now, I've not seen him actually ride a bike yet, but, you know, because of lockdown, etc. And he's in Wales and that's on a massive lockdown normally all the time so so yeah that'd be um be really interesting to see how he progresses actually as his first year senior but um but yeah so we've really strengthened a back room room a back you know a workhorse yeah is with the team who can get results from their on their own right as well and then from that moment you know we've you know we've strengthened their infrastructure massively you know we've you know, to make it comfortable for the riders. You know, we've we've done away with a Renault traffic van that's been round the clock. You know, we've got new team cars. We've got, yeah, we've got a big, big van, minibus thing, and we've got a lorry as well. So, you know, you know, with a kitchen area and beds and, and all sorts in it. So, you know, it makes life for the riders comfortable and, and good, you know, so they can come to race and just be chilled out and have the coffee machine going and the tunes banging and, yeah, just get the most out of them before. You know, I've got a new DS, Liam Hollihan this year, who's oh okay, yeah, yeah. who's really good. So, like he, so as riders, we never got on, um, but as adults, we've got on quite well. And he, yeah, he's got some really cool ideas he wants to bring to the team. And he, ultimately, he wants to go to the World Tour as a, as a DS. But they basically said to him, look, you know, you need to get experience, and we're here to give him that experience. You know, obviously, a lot of the race has been cancelled. We was going to be doing, but yeah, you know, at Yorkshire and stuff like that. But you know, the bigger races. But we're still doing a lot of UCI stuff, and we've got a good calendar planned. And yeah, fingers crossed the Tour of Britain. You know, that's not a given. Even mm-hmm. though we're a Cornish team, it's not. You know, we still have to qualify, which is a little bit of a ball ache. But you know, that's only a, a challenge, isn't it? You know, just have to get the most out of it. And but it's for all of our Everyone that's racing now at this level, we have to weather this storm. So we've got the coronavirus storm. It's shit. You know, wages are dropping. 
that's inevitable because the sponsors are pulling out. But in some areas, sponsors are loving it and they're putting more in. But it's like the scene was in the early 90s. Like it was, you know, it went through a bit of doldrums and then back in the early 2000s, you know, it picked up again, you know, and it it gave me a really good career and I'm still in, in it. I've had to diversify, you know, managing a team, running a team. These riders are different. They're glued to the phone. They want to be, you know, brand ambassadors. So we have to bring that brand ambassador style of person, you know, they, and how they interact to a bike mm-hmm. racing team so they can be, they can sell the product and they can sell that product through social media. They can sell it through racing it, endorsing it. However they do that, <clears throat> you know, it's not about getting your name in Cycling Weekly anymore because, yeah, let's face it, Cycling Week doesn't really exist in that same vein anymore. But it's the philosophy of bike racing is still the same. You have to go out there and win races and you have to work as a team to win races. But how we get to that point is a lot different to how they got to that point in the 90s. And you just have to adapt to it. And how we run our team and how any team runs a team is their own business. But we run St. Piran to be a sustainable entity. So we, you know, I can hand on heart guarantee that I, if you, you could probably speak to me in 10 years time, and I'll be sat here talking to you now because the team is still going to be around because we're sustainable. We've got a club, we've got a development team, we've got a, we've got a women's racing team, we've got a mountain biking team, we've got an esports team. That's all start, all starting up. It's not massively out there at the moment, but it's there. You know, we've got, but we've got sponsors who want who want to sponsor the team. Not we don't display logos on our jerseys, but they're buying into the philosophy and the ethos of the team. You know, and yeah. good sponsors and sustainable sponsors. We do, yeah, we do crowdfunding and stuff because you have to get your little bit of pennies from that. There's this thing called easy funding as well, which, you know, they were slagging off on Twitter. It's like, it's free money. It doesn't cost us anything. And it just is pennies, you know, but it might only be 20 quid a month or whatever, but it's, you know, that's a couple of coffees on the way to a race for the lads, for their morale. You know, that all adds up. And that's what, is going what's how the sport's changing and how teams and people are going to have to change their mindsets you know and and ultimately this is how you know sponsors aren't going to continue to put in money for no reason like they were back in the day and guys like harry is at the forefront of that generation now he can he can see how this team is working and he can see you know and the potentially there could be a place in a team like this for him where he can go in and he can bring sponsors to the table or he can not sponsor the table. That's the wrong way of doing it. Cause obviously Cav's done that and that's been slagged off, but you know, you can bring stuff to the table that's supporting your own, you know, your own livelihood. So, you know, and that's, that is how the future of the sport is going to have to be. You know, it's, it's not as simple as it used to be, but it's, it's changing and it's, and it's changing for the better as well. I mean, as long as we can get, you know, kind of good results this year and, and, and prove that we're worthy of this, which I'm sure we were because we were, you know, we were, you know, punching above our weight last year or the year before. So it's, yeah. you know, we're not, we're going to be doing that this year as well and the year after and the year after that. And that's the team's just going to grow and grow and grow and grow. And that's, yeah, it's important. It's good. It's exciting. Super exciting. <laughs> Yeah, it's 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 been fascinating to watch the journey unfold. Um, yeah, I'm. I mean, count me in. I'm. I've been a fan since I kind of came across you guys. Um, 
we've got a mutual friend with the uh, the Pratt family from just outside Winchester. I'm sure you know yeah. little Oscar and obviously Martin. Yeah, uh, I, I sent Oscar some socks the other day, actually. Oh, uh, yes, yeah, he was talking about those, yeah. <laughs> Oscar likes his socks. <laughs> yeah, he does. Yeah, now I think we finally talked him out of wearing the mismatching ones. Was he, what was he wearing? Uh, it's his thing to wear one pink one, one bright yellow one. What? I think it's so it's easier to find himself in photos. Right, okay. Which, yeah. Mm, is that about what the kids do? Uh, yeah, it's just, just Oscar. Just Oscar. <laughs> yeah, it's just an Oscar thing, I think. <laughs> one thing, one thing though, kids do need to learn a bit of panache, though. You know, <laughs> Adam Blythe put this cool thing on Twitter yesterday. It's like, yeah, put, pull in a pair of crisp white, fresh white socks over a pair of shoes. You know, like no one does that anymore. And then some kid was like, a pair of market socks over his shoes, like nah, 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 proper cycling socks. You know, to look for that full <laughs> Frank Vandenbroek look. Yeah, you know. <laughs> Harry's like having to Google him now. <laughs> I think the ultimate show of the show of cool is trying so hard to look like you don't give a shit. Yeah, yeah, nonchalant. That's yeah. what you need to be. Just to ride along nonchalantly in the big yeah. ring. Fifty-three twenty-one, just, just not moving. Yeah. <laughs> just whipping along, seventy RPM. Yeah, that's the life. Yeah, basically that's just how I ride. That's just how I try to cultivate myself. Like Harry saw my winter bike one year. He's like, "What the hell is that?" And I had these like, I've got spinachi bars on there and stuff. And he's like, oh wow! He's like, "What is it?" I'm like, "What does it look? What do you think it looks like? An aeroplane?" <laughs> just, you know, but like I was really rude to it, poor Harry. I was really rude to him, but it's like. He'd probably never ever seen a pair of Spinacci bars in his life. Like, whereas I'd, you know, I'd, I'd unfortunately never had to race with them, but I used to watch the pros racing with them. Yeah. yeah. You know, wow. it's a generation thing, Harry. Yeah. yeah I don't think they were probably, they were probably banned before most of our co-hosts were born. Yeah. I mean, they banned them in 97, May 97. I think they banned them. <laughs> yeah. Definitely. Yes. Then. Yeah. 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 Steve, I'll when ask you, you oh. when was you born, Harry? Two thousand four. Three. Yeah, in November. I think we had this conversation yesterday, didn't we? Yeah, Tom was asking my age. Yeah, yeah, that was it. Yeah, yeah. It's funny because Adam Blythe came up in conversation as well. It all, just, <laughs> it all goes full circle. Yeah, see, Blythe's yeah. Blythe's a bit of a hitter, really. Like he's a little bit younger than me, but yeah, like he knew how cool cycling was. Yeah. yeah. You know, it's and it's a lost, it's a lost visual now. I think, you know, everyone's trying to make themselves look aero and do this and do that, which yes has a place. Like, don't get me wrong. Before Dan Bigham starts ranting at me, you know, it does have a place <laughs> in the sport. But at the same time, it's like for years, you you, you just tried to make yourself look like we was talking about Nigga, like nonchalantly cool, just not breathing you know just riding along i remember riding with tom Sutherland, like him just telling me like he only opened his mouth on a downstroke or something <laughs> you know just to, like <laughs> it was some weird kind of thing to make himself look as if he wasn't breathing <laughs> oh right okay breathing through his nose you know like yeah it's that's what you need to do <laughs> no funny enough that nose breathing stuff is actually a thing you yeah, like nose, yeah, just briefly nose, just go. Yeah, no, I've actually read a few books on it. It's actually really interesting. <laughs> Not even joking. <laughs> I know what I'll be trying. Yeah. 
So, Steve, yeah. before, I let, before I let you go, and obviously thank you very much for spending time with us today. Um, yeah, thank you. Uh, Sorry, it just went on and on a bit, but... <laughs> <laughs> this is absolutely brilliant. Yeah, yeah. So I'm looking forward to turning this around today. Um, cool. Is there anything else you'd do different or advi- give advice to yourself as a, as a 16, 17, 18-year-old? Hmm. No, I was thinking about this the other day. Random, I had random thoughts the other day. So I've had a lot of thinking time recently because my wife's had COVID, so I've just been isolating at home. Oh, shit, like, man. How is yeah. she? Yeah, she's fine. Yeah, it's all good. All good. Oh. But she's a nurse, so it's inevitable she was going to catch Oh, up. right. Okay, um, yeah. But I somehow I didn't get it. Even all my tests were negative. It's like, how how is that possible? But mm. um, yeah, so I've had quite a lot of time, like you know, just playing with my daughter and stuff, and just kind of yeah, and riding turbo trainer and that. And I'd be like, what you know, just thinking about what would I have done differently? And um, I don't know. The answer to that is I don't know. <laughs> I think if I could teleport myself back. I would say don't do this and don't do that in certain scenarios and races. But I don't think I would have done anything different at the time. Yeah. Because I, enjoy, because I enjoyed it so much. I enjoyed racing. Like, I love racing it. And that, you know, I come back from a really shitty crash this year, last year. And within, I don't know how many weeks it was, I was riding Club 10s with the same kind of, you know, gusto that i would be riding tour of saudi arabia or premier canada right. you know yeah. tour of britain it's the same it like doesn't matter to me if the race is you know tour bay crit racing nine guys you know no, or... they, were, they were tough they were tough <laughs> yeah because that's because you just you race a race you know a race is a race you know you have to try and win a race you don't go to a race to train do you, you don't put all that effort Especially in the UK, you don't spend all that money driving and entering time, energy, you know. So you have to just give every race 100%. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, because I loved racing as a youngster, I still love racing now. And that passion for racing is, is huge. So I don't think I'll change anything. Yeah. Maybe. Hashtag no regrets. Yeah, there is no regrets. There's, there's no, and I think like any youngster that, that is, you know, I think cycling is a little bit more accessible or various forms of cycling are more accessible. Like Harry races cross, you know, you should go and race mountain bikes and time trial and, you know, road racing mm. and do all these things and really, really mix it up. Like Pidcock, like prime example, somebody loved bike racing, races every discipline and is shit hot. You know, that's what, mm. that's what you need. Yeah. Just enjoy it. That's what you need to do. It's fantastic. I think we'll end it there. That's a lovely point to lovely point to end on. Yep. Steve, cool. thank you very much for your time. And obviously thank you as well to my co-host Harry. Yeah, thank no you. Cool. Mega. Right. Sweet. Thanks, guys. Lovely. Right thanks, Steve. Cheers, no Harry. Worries, mate. Cheers, Cheers. man. Bye-bye. See you guys right later. On. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Quick Link Podcast, and you can find all of our previous episodes, email the team, or leave us a voice message for inclusion on a show at quicklinkpod.co.uk. Catch us every day for a daily microdose of pro cycling headlines, rotating regular segments, as well as feature-length interviews and roundtable chats. This show is available on iTunes, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher and YouTube, and you can find us across social media by searching Quicklink Pod. We'll speak to you tomorrow. Goodbye. Goodbye.